Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're an HR or business leader and you're needing that competitive employee benefits package to help attract or retain the top talent, we can help. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, enjoying the summer with my bike riding co-host, Al McDonald. Al, you've got some special things that we've been talking about on other episodes, but I think it's worthwhile talking about again here. So hoping you can share. Well, thanks. Yes. Once again, I have committed to the Great Cycle Challenge coming up in the month of August. So I'll be out there on my bike, biking around the back roads of Halton Hills, trying to raise money for kids with cancer related to Sick Kids Hospital. So that'll be the third year in a row. And of course, I'm always excited to be on the podcast today, Podcast Friday, but especially with our upcoming guests, because we had such a good conversation the first time around. So again, I'm looking forward to this. All right. Well, Al is going to be out riding this weekend, I'm sure, but on the day... I got to ask you, there's a burning question. Will there be spandex? Oh, always. I should go without <laughs> saying. <laughs> All right, tune in. If Al ever upsets me on the podcast, I'll be releasing photos of his uh, spandex. So if you want the inside scoop on that, reach out. Well, I'm excited, Al. As you said, joining us today is Syra Ganji. And I'm just going to talk about you, Syra, before we welcome you to the show a little bit. Syra is a independent licensed workplace investigator, a solopreneur, and the founder of HRology. She has a Master of Industrial Relations and Human Resource Management from the University of Toronto, 20 plus years of HR experience, 150 workplace investigations and workplace assessments under her belt. Syra works with organizations that have had allegations of complaints of discrimination, harassment, violence, misconduct, or a toxic work environment. She believes in conducting investigations and assessments the right way, which is fairly, thoughtfully, and thoroughly, and compassionately. Empathy is her superpower. Relationships are her jam, and her sneakers are her shoe of choice. Syra is also the creator of the Workplace Investigation Bootcamp, a step-by-step self-paced online course to help HR professionals lead workplace investigations with confidence, ease, integrity, and the best possible outcomes. Welcome to the show, Syra. Thank you so much. Good to have you here. I loved our first conversation so much. I've let people know through the podcast that we do call those first calls chemistry calls just to see. And the energy was there between us. The chemistry was there when the three of us had that first phone call. So I was really happy about being able to book a podcast. So I appreciate you joining us here today. And I thought the very first spot we should start just reading through your bio, and there's a ton of background there. 
But how do you kind of come from that HR space and end up where you are today? So I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about your career journey and then what sparked your interest to kind of move over and end up where you are today? Sure. So I think my first job in the HR field was in 1999. So I've been doing this for a long, long time. And when I entered the field of HR, I was someone who instantly loved it. Like I loved everything about it. And over the years, as I had an opportunity to take on more senior roles in different organizations, I had lots of opportunities to learn and grow and really hone my HR skills. So I made the decision in 2014 to leave the corporate world, and I struck out on my own as an independent HR consultant. So by this point in time, I had been doing HR for quite a few years, and It was a couple of years after I went independent that I started to become itchy and bored with the projects that I was doing. And for the first time in my adult life, I started to feel disenchanted with the work that I was doing. And it was such a hard place to be in because I had always been such a super fan of the work that I did. And so I did what I think most people do when they're in a time of crisis. I traveled and ate my way through Italy for the next three weeks. So I can remember exactly where we were, my husband and I, I can remember exactly where we were in Cinque Terre when my path forward became clear. So we were hiking and my husband asked me, you know, what is the work that really lights you up? Right? Because we know what bores you, but what's the work that really lights you up? And like, without even hesitating, I said, You know, it's the work around workplace investigations, workplace assessments, and making workplaces healthier, safer, and more respectful. And my husband looked at me and said, well, can you make a living doing that, right? Because a girl's got to eat. And the truth was, is I really didn't know if I could make a living doing this work. So I made myself a deal, right? I said to myself, okay, I'm going to take the next six months and I'm going to take every project that comes my way, even if the work doesn't light me up. And I'm going to kind of stockpile and create a little bit of a nest egg. So for the six months following that, I can go all in on workplace investigations and workplace assessments, and I can figure out if I can actually make a living doing the work that I'm most passionate about. And in the weeks where that transition from one six month period to the next six month period happened, the Me Too movement hit. And I quickly realized that I could absolutely make a living doing the work that I loved the most and that lit me up the most. And so that's kind of how I traversed into the world of workplace investigations and workplace assessments. I love that in that moment in time when you found this isn't working for me, that I'm not getting lit up by the work that I'm doing anymore. I love the fact that you discovered and decided on your next career journey while you were traveling. Because as Al knows, my best time, Al's Zen time is on his bike. That's when he shuts out the world and he will think about things and come back and, and talk to us. And mine is when I get away and I shut down business and I travel. So that resonates with me. As you were speaking, And through other conversations, especially with HR leaders, but in particular, I think where you are now, I think a question that I would have is, you know, in my experience, HR has always been the people that are dealing with 
all the stressors in a business. So someone is having a hard time in their life, they're going to HR, right? There's a lot of stress there. And I've always wondered, and I would imagine that that's still happening because you're involved in these situations and you're having to dig in and find out what happened here. And I'm sure sometimes those situations are uncomfortable, but how do you protect your own mental health during this time, right? Like when you're dealing with dogs, because I would imagine you're taking a lot of that on. Like, how do you protect yourself in those situations, Syrah? So I think like, especially with the work that I'm doing now, like the essence of my work is really dealing with and hearing about and evaluating other people's traumas, right? So no one is really calling me with good news, right? No one calls me because they have great news to share. It's because they're experiencing a problem in their organization that is affecting like psychological safety, culture, wellness, and they need help in resolving it. And the truth is that the work that I do is incredibly heavy, right? And I don't take the work that I do lightly because I am the person who is being trusted by both the organization and the person who's speaking to me I'm being trusted with very sensitive information. And often people are telling me about potentially the worst moments that they've ever experienced in their life. So it's a heavy responsibility. I don't take it lightly, but there is a lot that I have to do to protect my mental health and wellness because I'm also someone who's naturally empathetic, right? And when I'm enveloped in an investigation, I really am, right? I'm thinking about it when I'm showering, when I'm chopping veggies for dinner. Like, I am thinking about it all the time. And so some of the ways that I protect my mental health and my mental wellness is really, I work hard to set boundaries. I work hard to protect my peace. But I also make sure that When I'm conducting a particularly heavy or traumatic investigation, then I'm taking some space afterwards to decompress and to hold space for even my part in the situation and what I had to hold on to and how do I work on letting go of it. I won't lie. There's been a number of times where I've sought professional help just to make sure that I've got good coping mechanisms. I know it might sound like a little bit contrite, but... For me, moving my body, getting out in nature or walking or jogging on my treadmill, lifting some heavy weights, for me, it's a really, really good release. There's no magic solution for always protecting it. And so in the moments where I'm really struggling, it's acknowledging that and giving myself the space and grace to try and figure out my next step. It sounds almost too easy of an answer when you're talking about lifting weights or going on your treadmill, right? And I found I've been training since I was 15 years old. I remember very lovingly remember my dad, not around anymore, coming home and he had picked up from Sears, you know, the old York bench that came with the, uh, not ceramic, was it plastic, plastic plastic weights filled with cement. And I had that up until about three years ago and I finally got a new bench. But I've become one of those people where, I set five days a week that I'm going to work out. And if it doesn't happen, I find it gets to me. So you can feel it. it. So I think you're right. Like, and Al, I don't think Al lifts a lot of weights, but I know he gets out on his bike more than I ever would. But I think it's really important to have that separation and that time to yourself where you can expend some of that energy. So as much as you said, Hey, it might sound a little funny. I think there's a lot of value in that. And especially in a role where you've got a lot of stress, 
I think it's important to have those other outlets in your life where you can get rid of some of that stress and then be a better, you know, parent or husband or wife or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And you know, what I tend to do is I tend to work out at the end of my workday so that I have like some delineation between the end of work and the start of my downtime. And it's a good way to like, especially if I've had a particularly stressful day, it's a good way to like sweat out all the stress. Right. And, you know, not all of my workouts are like heavy and crazy intense, like, especially during the summer months, like I love to go, like I did a 10 K walk at the end of my day yesterday and it was hot, but it was perfection. Right. I didn't go into my dinner time thinking about all of the things that I had heard earlier that day. It's just creating that separation almost for me has been really important. Sarah, it's very obvious that just from our conversation that you're very passionate about what you do. Where does that come from? Like you've already mentioned, there's a lot of heavy responsibility. It can weigh on you at times. So you have to be passionate about what you do. And you said, you know, this is the thing that lights you up. Why? I often get asked, how did you choose this line of work? And the truth is, is I didn't choose it. It chose me. So years ago, I was working in an amazing job, okay? Like it gave me all the feels. I had challenging work, stretch assignments. I had amazing clients. I had so many opportunities for learning, growth, and development. It was like my dream job. But I worked for a boss that was very disrespectful and very toxic, right? And so if I asked for help, I was penalized. They took every opportunity to push me down and make me feel small, both in private and in public. And it got to the point where it was so isolating. It had been going on for months. It had robbed me of my self-belief. It had robbed me of my self-confidence. And it was slowly robbing me of my health and wellness. So I went to the higher-ups and I you know, didn't get any support, which was ironic because I was in HR. And it got to the point where I finally realized that there was nothing that I could do to fix this situation. There was no way to rebuild trust. There was no way to rebuild and find respect again. The relationship was not repairable. So I left, right? I made the decision to leave this job. And I remember so clearly the day that I tendered my resignation, like I felt tremendous relief, but also so much overwhelming grief. I felt relief because I was no longer going to have to work for a boss that didn't value and respect me. But I also felt so much grief because I was walking away from what was my favorite job, the best job I had ever had, and the most amazing clients I had ever had. And so it was a really difficult situation. But as I look back on that season of my life, I'm so grateful for it because that experience, it changed me, right? It strengthened me. It helped me build resilience. And it really motivated me to use my voice and to use it for good. It has inspired me to create real impactful change in workplaces And it really has led me to do the work that I do, which is conducting workplace assessments and workplace investigations the right way. And that's fairly, thoughtfully, thoroughly, empathetically, and sensitively. Because I know that when I was in a situation where I really needed care and empathy and fairness, I didn't get that. And so I am so committed to the work that I do. Again, 
the passion is showing through from that answer. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. And certainly maybe not the best circumstances that created it, but obviously you took what life threw at you and turned it around and made it a positive. Can you share maybe some of the things that since you've started doing what you're doing now, some of your successes? And Al, before maybe Sarah would be willing to answer two parts, because as I was thinking that, Al, myself, and my other business partner, Joe, we're growing our firm and we're adding people. And we were commenting yesterday, someone had commented that you guys have a really good reputation. And Al and I were driving back in the car and, and thinking to ourselves, well, that's table stakes, like doing a good job. Doesn't everybody do a good job? And then when I hear you speak about being in a position where maybe you're in a toxic environment and not getting the support that you needed and deserved at that time, for people like ourselves who are growing a company, I was hoping you could maybe talk about what are the, some of the things that as business leaders, we should be looking at within our company to make sure that someone doesn't end up in a position like you and, and end up having to leave because, and then you end up losing a good person. So I don't know if there are any tips around that that you can think of. In terms of like making sure that you actually don't have a problem in your organization, right? I think a lot of that comes down to leaders who are present and they're really present with their staff, right? They're curious. They ask them questions about their life, not just their life inside of work, but their life outside of work. I think it comes down to if you feel that there's some unease or tension or weirdness in the environment, be curious about it, right? Don't just say, well, I'm sure it'll dissipate on its own. It likely won't. And if anything, it's probably going to get worse. So be curious, right? Be someone that people can trust. Be someone that will do the right thing and be public about that, right? If someone sees someone else being mistreated and others know about it and no one does anything about it, why would they feel that if they were being mistreated, it would be any different for them? I think it really comes down to don't always just assume that everything is great. Just validate that everything is great. If you've got some spikes and people are taking disability or people who are calling in sick or people who are leaving the organization, be curious about why that might be. If you had a team that was high performing and really strong and there's a sudden dip in performance, get curious as to what has happened that has caused that dip. Because it might not just be one thing or two things. It could be a, a number of things that are festering in the environment. I think the best advice I can give leaders is really to be curious, to not make assumptions and to be willing to do the hard things, right? Yeah. Very good advice. Al, you asked yeah. me a question about what are some of the successes? Yeah. That I'm sure if you've got some stories that really stand out. So most of the work that I do, I work really, really hard to make sure that I'm partnering with the right organizations and the right leaders, right? So I make sure that they're committed to doing the right thing. I make sure that they are going to listen to what's true. And so while I might not tell them what they want to hear, I am going to tell them what they need to hear. I work with organizations and leaders who are willing to do the hard things, right? They're willing to walk away from their best performer, their best revenue generator, or even their brother in some circumstances, right? I think like partnering with the right people is the first step. And so the reason why I've had success and the way I define success is when I've completed an investigation or I've completed an assessment, does real change happen after that, 
right? Because I don't want to have this work that I do be all for nothing. I don't want to waste my time and energy. I don't want to waste organizations, dollars and cents. And worst of all, I certainly do not want to traumatize or risk traumatizing or re-traumatizing people who are telling me their darkest stories and their darkest moments and have no good change come from that. So I think the reason why I've had success, as I said, success amounts to real change is because I do the important work in the beginning to make sure that I'm partnering with the right people and the right organizations and the right leaders who are going to do the right thing. So yeah, I mean, I've had situations where organizations have been toxic for years, for years. They have like terrible reviews on every platform you could review about how terrible their toxic work environment is. And, you know, they got new leadership who was really diligent and committed to turning that around and really read the report and understood, okay, these are all the hard things and the expensive things that I need to invest in to make real change. Real change isn't going to happen overnight because trust is built in the big and the small moments. Trust is really easy to break, right? Not as easy to rebuild. So mm-hmm. there was this really understanding that there was going to have to be intentional action, that it was going to be time bound, that it was going to take a lot of change of leadership and a lot of investment in resources that they did not have inside their organization to make change. And they are making change. They're making huge strides and efforts. They are rebuilding trust. They've made intentional changes to their policies, their practices, their values and how they live those values. And they are seeing a real turnaround in employee happiness, productivity, and culture. Sarah, is there one thing that your job has taught you, one lesson that maybe you can share that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? So it might sound obvious, but the one lesson that my job has taught me that I think everyone should really learn at some point in their life is do what's right over what's easy every single time, right? I'm going to speak as an HR professional. So as an HR professional, I'm really trusted with confidential and sensitive information. And as a workplace investigator and assessor, I'm often, as I said, trusted with a lot of very traumatic stories and information. And so it is so important. It's critical that I am being someone that leaders and employees can trust. Doing what's right over what's easy means living your values, your personal values, your professional values. It means seeking the truth and speaking the truth even when it's hard, right? Especially when it's hard, right? As a workplace investigator, there's lots of times where I'm confronted with resistance and pushback and some pressures to kind of have the investigation have an outcome that the organization would prefer, right? And so if you are going to be an investigator and you are going to do this type of work, you really need to not be swayed by organizational pressures because integrity in this space is everything. You must really have some distinct core values that you have to live by. Yeah. To say. <laughs> yeah, I do. And in fact, my values are like front and center on my website. They're actually, they're the core values that I use to make every decision. 
And if I make my decisions in accordance with those core values, then I sleep well at night. And I'm someone who really loves my sleep. So, you know, if I'm sleeping well at night, then I know that I'm doing the right thing for the right reasons in the right moments. And that's also how I define personal success, right? So. Well, that resonates with Al and I, because I can see Al smiling. Our values are called our guiding principles. And what we remind everyone on the team constantly, when in doubt, refer to the guiding principles, because that will not steer you wrong. As long as you're adhering to those, you're going to be making the right decision. Syra, how long have you been doing this, this role? So I have done workplace investigations. I think I did my first one in 2001. Okay. I've done it internally for organizations, right, that I've worked with. Yep. But I would say that I've been really focused on workplace investigations and like it's been my bread and butter really since 2017. Okay. So you've been doing this a number of years now. What are you most excited about for the future? I think continuing to make a positive impact in the world. I know that sounds a little airy-fairy, but I really do believe the work that I do It impacts workplaces in extremely positive ways. I think the other thing I'm kind of excited about for the future is in the late fall, early winter, I'm launching my new online course. It's going to be called the Workplace Assessment Sprint. And it's really an online course for HR professionals. And it's showing them my process for conducting workplace assessments that helps to build trust foster psychological safety, and have really powerful outcomes in organizations. I'm really known for my templates, and I'm going to be including a whole bunch of them. So I'm excited to share that with the world. Sounds very exciting. I know you've answered some of this already. You've answered a little bit when I asked you what you're most excited about for the future. But I think we shared it with you in advance that Al does have a signature question. I always sit back and enjoy hearing the answer. And I thought, well, we'll throw it out to you anyway. Maybe you have something else. If you don't, that's okay. But uh, Al, I'll let you take it away. Wonderful. Well, we always end with this. And that is, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, absolutely. So I always say respect is the floor, okay? And you can't walk without a floor, right? You can't build trust without respect. You can't build relationships without respect. And you can't inspire, direct, create, or innovate without respect. So for me, respect is the floor. And so I really believe that I am helping organizations and leaders plant proverbial trees that are not just providing shade and safety for their current employees, but I believe that I'm helping them to create shade and safety for their future employees. My legacy in this world is helping to create healthier, safer, more respectful workplaces And I measure that in the future, I would love to see respect is the floor in every workplace. Love that. That's a great answer. Thank you. It's a great question. (laughs) And what a way to wrap up the episode. Just on that note, I'm trying to remember, was it Rob Gilbert who introduced us? I think it was. So shout out to Rob again, just proves that great people know other really great people. And today was evidenced by that with this conversation. So I wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. 
and sharing your journey, what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at HRology? They can always find me on LinkedIn. And if they want to check out my website, it's HRology, H-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot C-A. All right. Well, that does it for today's episode. As you can tell, we really enjoyed this conversation. As always, we hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as once again, we've seen here, success leaves clues. We'll see you next time.